0: wanna welcome all of our campuses, those connecting over the internet. So great to see you today. wanna to say a special welcome to our Austin campus. Austin, I just realized this is the first time I'm coming to you over the screen, so Rockwall Campus, would you help me to welcome Austin to the service? We love Austin. Glad you guys are here. It's wonderful to be one church in more than one location to celebrate what God is doing across our church family, the Forney Campus, celebrating a baptism service this afternoon. Uh, two weeks ago, uh, let me share with you what happened on the Corpus Campus. Are you ready for this? Last week, they baptized 44 people, went public with their faith in Jesus Christ. It's amazing. That's a lot of life change. Love it. Uh, I love this pick because one of the the men that's assisting with this baptism, he's actually a U.S. Marshal, and found out that he had to transfer up to Dallas. Well, guess where he's moving? He's moving to Forney, and he's connecting with the Forney campus. So I love being a part of one church in more than one location, that even when you move, you're still as part of the same family. I love it. Uh, As a family, we're looking at the life of Samson this month, and I'm going to ask you to turn your Bibles to Judges chapter 15. If you don't have a Bible in your worship guide, there's a place that has this passage you can follow along with us. You can also take some notes in your worship guide if you'd like. But Judges chapter 15 tells us about the life of Samson. Now while you're finding that, let me just remind you the book of Judges is actually about 12 different leaders called Judges throughout a 400-year span of the history of the nation of Israel. And these leaders... We're supposed to help free God's people from their oppressors. At this time, the oppressors were the Philistines. Now, some of those leaders in the book of Judges were very strong and righteous, godly leaders. And then others, well, were like Samson. And we're looking at Samson and, and seeing that Samson was supposed to be a great leader. He was destined to do great things, but he never reached his potential. He never fulfilled his God-given purpose because he wasted his life. And Samson struggled with things that we struggle with, but he never let God help him with those flaws. He always gave in to them. Now, it wasn't because he wasn't set up for success. Samson had all the right ingredients for success. He had a great heritage. His family, his parents were strong believers and were godly parents to him. He had great God-given talents and gifts, some that we'll see today. His great strength was a gift from God. But instead of using those for God's glory and fulfilling his purpose, he had some serious character flaws he never dealt with. And because of those flaws, Samson, instead of being a great leader, lived a busted life. And we're looking at Samson and we're seeing that those flaws that he had really are the same flaws that we struggle with. And today we're going to look at this flaw called pride. Now, it's going to be very obvious that Samson struggles with pride, and let's pick up the story in Judges 15, go down to verse 15, and let's see what happens. It says, then Samson found the jawbone of a recently killed donkey. He picked it up, and he killed a 1,000 Philistines with it. How about that? You don't really see that every day, do you? Verse 16, then Samson said, with the jawbone of a donkey, I've piled them up in heaps, and with the jawbone of a donkey, I've killed a 1,000 men. And let's just stop here, because if you've never heard this story before, this sounds a little bit like the movie 300 met Mad Max somewhere, doesn't it? And even if you have heard this story before, you're probably sitting back and thinking, I don't know if I can relate to Samson. I mean, I don't, I don't have a donkey, dead or alive. Never met a Philistine before. You know, I've never held a jawbone, never killed anybody, never piled up dead corpuses, corpuses like they were walls or something. How, how am I going to relate to Samson? Well, you can all relate to Samson, we can all relate to Samson, because we all struggle with pride. Now, pride is really tricky, isn't it? It's a subtle thing. I mean, as a matter of fact, it's easy to see in somebody else, and you're gonna recognize it in Samson if you haven't already. But pride is really hard to see in ourselves. So just in case you think that you don't need this message, let me ask you one question. If somebody were to take a picture of you and you were with a group of people, and they took their pi- this picture on their phone, then they turned the screen around and said, do you think this is a good picture? Who is the first person you're gonna look at in that picture? You. Because if it's a good picture of you, it's a good picture. We all need this message. I mean, it doesn't matter if your friend has a piece of spinach hanging out of their mouth doesn't matter if your other friend's got hair all messed up or somebody's making this embarrassing, awkward look that'll embarrass them forever. If it's a good picture of you, it's a good picture. We all need this message. Now... Uh, let me show you a picture of my family. We went uh, and mountain biked 7,000 feet uh, along this mountain ridge. It was fantastic time. And there's some people in my family that don't like this picture. There's some people in my family that like this picture, but it's not based on the beautiful mountains behind them. It's based on if it's a good picture of them. And they didn't know I was going to show this, but hey, you're in Austin, I'm in Rockwall. What are you going to do? Okay, so <laughs> l- let me tell you why I like this picture. I like this picture because I'm not in it. I do not like the way I look with a huge bicycle helmet on my head. You know, if it's a good picture of you, it's a good picture, and we all need this message. I mean, just think about this, even if you get photobombed, it's still a good picture if it's a good picture of you. <laughs> Here's my wife and I, we went to an ice cream store and we got photobombed by a cow. Didn't realize a cow was sitting on the wall back there, but it didn't matter if we got photobombed by a cow because it's a good picture of us. And by the way, uh, the reason why we were getting ice cream at this store is because this weekend, my wife and I are celebrating our 23rd wedding anniversary. So, all those applause are for you, sweetheart. Congratulations. Um, 23 years, I was 20 years old, she was 19. We practically raised each other. Now, Now, let me just tell you, when I look back on these 23 years, the times in our marriage where we really struggled is when pride wasn't dealt with. And so how many of you, all the campuses, please participate, how many of you are married out there? You're married? All right, if you're raising your hand, you need this message. (laughs) Pride can destroy a marriage and really mess up that relationship. How many of you are single out there? You're single? All right, if you're raising your hand, you're single, you need this message. Pride is one of the most unattractive traits in a person's life. We all need this message. And Samson shows us four warning signs that are in all of our lives. And if you don't deal with these warning signs, it can ruin your life. The Bible says pride goes before destruction. In other words, it can destroy not just marriages, not just relationships, but everything in our lives. And Samson shows us what to look for. So let's pick back up the story now that we realize we all need the teaching. Verse 15, again, it says... So he found this jawbone of a recently killed donkey, picked it up, and he killed a 1,000 Philistines with it. What you wanna see is is that this is not a verse that's bragging on Samson's power. This is a verse that's revealing Samson's pride. You see, because Samson took a vow as a Nazarite, he wasn't supposed to touch anything that's dead. Not only does he touch something that's dead, he makes other people dead with it, okay? This is a very arrogant act, and if you're taking notes, Pride, warning sign, this is what it does. It never admits it's wrong. Very arrogant for Samson to do this. He had no remorse for it. Pride never admits it's wrong. The Hebrew word for pride literally means to elevate yourself. It literally means to lift high. The word pride literally means to rise above everyone else and get this elevated view of you. And if you're so high above everything else and everybody else, why would you need to admit that you're wrong? Samson never does, you can look for this in your life. You can look back and see, you know what, do I choke on apologies? Do I struggle with admitting that I had some fault in the situation? And if you look back and you see, you know what, it's been a while since I've said I was wrong, it's a warning light saying, hey, wait a minute, that's what pride does. You see, if you're a teenager or if you have teenagers and you're not saying, listen, I was wrong, I was wrong, there's a struggle, there's a problem there. If you're married and, you, and it's been a long time since you've said, would you please forgive me? There's a problem there. If you have a relationship and you're saying, you know what, it's been a long time since i said I was wrong, please forgive me, or I'm sorry, there's a pride problem brewing. Some of you are gonna need to practice this this week. You're gonna look in the mirror, and you can do this. It's, it's pretty easy. You can just say, well, you just have to just give, give yourself some time and just say, I was wrong. You can do it. And some of us, it's been a long time since we have, but pride is weak because it can't admit when it's wrong. It was so refreshing to walk into the Lake Point offices this week and walk in on one of the ladies on our team, and she was getting off the phone, and it was almost as if I'd caught her. She goes, uh, you know, oh, oh, I'm sorry. She hangs up the phone. She says, I was just on the phone with my husband. I was just apologizing. She had no idea what I was going to talk about this weekend. So I was just saying, you know what, I was wrong. I'm sorry I got mad. and. I was just asking him to forgive me. There's serious power in that. And if you look back on your life and it's been a long time since you've said I was wrong, it's a warning light saying, wait a minute, pride is elevating itself in my life and it can ruin my life if I don't do something about it. So Samson shows us don't, don't do that. Don't, don't struggle with saying I'm wrong. Notice what else happens here next, verse 16. Samson said, With the jawbone of a donkey, I've piled them up in heaps, and with the jawbone of a donkey, I've killed a 1,000 men. Verse 17, just in case you didn't realize this, he's boasting, okay? So when he finished all this prideful boasting, he threw away the jawbone and named the place after the jawbone, Jawbone Hill. Did you notice how many times he says I in these two verses? Look at what I've done. Look at how many people I've killed. Look at what I've accomplished. Look, I piled them all up. You see, the second warning sign of pride is pride craves recognition. I need you to look at me. I need you to notice what I'm doing. I need you to see all the things I'm accomplishing. You see, a wise person is going to look at Samson's life and say, You know what? I don't want to be like that. So just listen to yourself this week. How often are you going to talk about yourself, what you have? what you're doing, what your successes are, how much you've accomplished, what you're you know, doing that particular time. Look at me, look at me. Pride puts the spotlight on itself. This is not bragging on what God is doing. Samson's bragging on what he is accomplishing. That's what pride does. As a matter of fact, if you just think about the word pride, let me put it on the screen for you. Pride shows you the problem immediately. What is the middle letter in the word pride? It is the letter I, Pride has an eye problem. I need you to look at me. I need you to notice me. Hey, look at what I'm doing. But it's subtle. You can recognize it in everybody else, but you don't see it in yourself unless you stop and ask yourself Am I gonna protect myself against pride? This past week, my family and I, we watched a lot of family home movies from the archives of the Davidson family, and it was a great time to reminisce, and it's so crazy how quick your kids grow up, and now I have four teenagers, but we went back way back to when they were four preschoolers and and that young elementary age, and I was blown away. If you're in this life stage, I've already forgotten how many times a child will say this phrase. Dad, watch this. Dad, watch this. I mean, in one movie, about 30 minutes, I mean, there was so many dad, watch this as I just lost count. Dad, watch this. Dad, watch me kick the ball. Dad, watch me run across the yard. Dad, watch me ride my bike. Dad, watch watch me jump on the trampoline. Dad, you know, watch me s- swirl around in circles. Hey, Dad, watch me. I'm gonna sing this song. Hey, Dad, watch me. I'm petting the dog. Hey, Dad, watch me. I'm pulling the dog's tail. <laughs> dad, Dad, watch this. Watch this. Let me tell you, if you're in that life stage, enjoy every minute of it I I miss that season but sometimes if we're not careful there's adults that never grow up and we're still in the mindset of hey watch this hey look at me hey look at what I'm doing look at what I have watch this watch me do this look at what I just did look at what I've accomplished and we never grow up and mature out of that phase of watch this now if we're honest social media is not helping us with this is it does anybody wanna guess what one of the number one words used in the entire English language the last two years, one of the, most, one of the number one, top five words used in the last two years, anybody wanna guess what it is? You guess it, selfie. Look at myself. Look at me, look at what I'm doing. And really what you see in verse 16 and 17 is a Facebook post by Samson. It really is. It's a Snapchat video. Hey, and if he had an iPhone, this is what would happen. Hey, look at this. Just piled them up. Pretty cool, huh? Like me, like me, like me. He needs your attention. He needs your focus. He needs you to like Uh, what what pride does. It says, hey, watch this. Hey, look at me. Hey, I need your recognition. I need the spotlight on me. If the spotlight moves from me, I need the spotlight to move back. And if you are trying to get attention, I need attention more. This is the way C.S. Lewis said about pride trying to one-up the other person. Now, I quote, he says, pride gets no pleasure out of having something. Pride only has pleasure in having more than the next person. Proud people are not really proud of being successful or intelligent or good-looking. They're proud of having more success, more intelligence, and better looks than the people around them. It's the comparison that makes us proud. It's the pleasure of being above The rest. Samson needs your attention. He is saying, Look at me. Look at what I've done. Pride never admits it's wrong. Pride craves recognition. Now let's see what else happens because we know that now that pride is always talking about itself. Look at the next phrase, verse 18. Notice this phrase. Samson was now very thirsty. Now uh, let's just stop here. Notice this phrase. We're going to come back to it, but wouldn't this make a great Gatorade commercial? You know, it's like, hey, you scored too many touchdowns. Hey, you hit too many home runs. Hey, if you killed too many Philistines, quench your thirst. Gatorade, okay, just, just a thought. But anyway, we'll come back to this. Seriously, that phrase of being thirsty. But Samson got very thirsty after working so hard. So notice he, he's gonna cry out to the Lord. He's gonna pray. He's gonna say, you have accomplished this great victory by the strength of your servant. Now let's just stop here. Can you get any more arrogant than this? Can you imagine coming into God's presence and bragging about what you're doing? Pride is supposed to be uh, kept at bay by prayer. Prayer is one of the great protections against pride. As you come into the presence of God who created heaven and earth, who created you, who gave you every breath, who gave you every talent, every skill, and every victory, surely when you pray, you're not gonna be prideful, but not Samson. Samson walks into the presence of the creator of the universe and says, hey, aren't you glad I'm on your team? How awesome can you get? Did you see how strong I was back there? He's coming with such an arrogant attitude, and he's so insecure. Look, he says, must I now die of thirst and fall in the hands of these pagans? Pride is always complaining. Now, I love the grace of God because Samson doesn't deserve what happens next, but it happens anyway. Verse 19 even though he was prideful, God causes this water to gush out of a hollow in the ground at Lehi, and Samson was revived as he drank. And then Samson named the place watch this. What did he name the place? The spring of the one who provided? No. The spring of the one who cried out. Can you get any more prideful than this? Did you just see what my prayers did? Open up the ground over there, made water gush out. How awesome am I? I'm a great prayer warrior. Are you kidding me? Samson, God just provided water for you. But he's so arrogant, he names the place after himself instead of the God who gave him victory and provided. This is how blinding pride can be because not only did he name it after himself, look, it says, it's still named that in Lehi to this day. Prideful acts are always remembered and resonate through time. Samson never gave God credit he never admitted that God gave him strength. He never admitted that God gave him victory. He never came with remorse. And even to say, God, I didn't know what to do. I, I was trying to defend myself. I know I shouldn't have touched that thing that was dead, but, but would you please didn't come with confession, didn't come with gratitude, didn't come with thanksgiving. He came with pride. And here's this warning sign of pride. Pride never listens. Pride never listens to advice. If you look back over those two verses, Samson is doing all the talking. He never backs up and listens to God. He never backs up and says, God, you've guided me into this great victory. Where's the next one? God, you've used me. God, where else do you need to use me? Father, I'm here. I'm surrender. I'm your servant. Never does that because pride doesn't need advice. Pride doesn't need anyone to tell it what to do. And it's subtle, but it's a warning sign. If you look back at the Chapter 14, Samson, as a teenager, never listened to his parents, never asked their advice, and even when they gave advice, didn't listen to it, and that's a problem, and so if you're a teenager and you're not listening to the advice of your parents, that's a problem. If you're a husband and you're not listening to the advice of your wife, that's a problem. If you're an employer and you're not listening to your employees, that's a problem, Samson never recognizes it because he doesn't even listen to God's advice, God's will, God's guidance. It's easy to see in the story, but it's hard to recognize in ourselves. But how many times have you known exactly what you're supposed to do, exactly where God wants you to go, exactly how he wants you to treat this person, and exactly how he wants you to live? But instead, like Samson, we go our own way. We don't follow his guidance. We do what we want to do, and we ignore the warning like, hey, you're not listening to advice. You're not following God. You see, I hope you've noticed that the month of August at all the campuses, we're encouraging you to launch into a life group, to get connected to a small group, because the larger we get as a church, the smaller we need to get, and we need that connection. Samson didn't have that connection, and that's a whole other message and teaching, but he was alone, and none of us need to be alone, and if you're saying, you know what? I don't need a life group. I'm not going to get connected. Think about how prideful that statement is. You don't need anybody's help. I wanna encourage you, please get connected. Find a group of people, everybody in a life group knows how, what a blessing this is. Find a group of people that are praying for you. Find a group of people that you can pray for. Find a group of people that are caring for you. Find a group of people you can care for. Find a group of people that are gonna encourage you. Find a group of people that you can encourage. And over time, what happens in that life group is you start trusting those people and saying, listen, I need some advice This is what I'm going through, and you start trusting people who are pursuing Christ like you are, and they're giving you biblical, godly counsel, and you're not too proud to say, I needed that. You see, don't be like Samson and say, I don't need a group. I don't need advice. I can do this on my own. It's a very dangerous place to be, but pride really does quarantine you off, and it's not a sign of strength. It's a sign of weakness when you don't reach out for others' help. But let me show you what I believe is the most sad verse in the entire book of Judges. It's the last verse in our text today, and it's verse 20. And verse 20 is so sad, look at what it says. It says, Samson judged, in other words, he ruled. He was the leader of Israel for 20 years during the same period when the Philistines dominated the land. Did you catch that? Samson, it says, Samson's the leader, but the people are dominated by their enemies. Samson is supposed to be helping the people, freeing the people, but he can't. It's a very sad statement because he's so full of pride, he can't help anybody else. He's supposed to rescue them because they're dominated by their enemies, but he can't help them because he's dominated by pride. And this is the most dangerous trait of pride. Pride does not think of others. Pride doesn't think about how it can help anyone else. It's so starving for the spotlight that it can't think of other people who are starving. Pride is always looking out for itself and never asks the question, I wonder what they need. And this is where Samson is. He is so saturated by pride, he doesn't help anybody else. And prideful people so much need the attention of everyone, they don't give their attention to the needs of others. So let's see what we have so far. Go back to these four things in your notes, or I'll put them on the screen for you. What do we have? Samson struggled with never admitting he was wrong. That's what pride does. Pride craves recognition and the spotlight. Pride doesn't listen to advice. Pride doesn't think about others. Now, I want you to look at those on the screen, and I want you to identify one of these subtle but dangerous traits of pride that maybe you need to work on this week. Now listen, don't reach over to somebody else's notes and circle theirs for them, okay? Don't do that. Oh, this is one you're gonna work on. Good luck with that. Okay, this is not that time. Which one do you need to work on? (laughs) Which one do you need to focus on? God, would you help me to really work on this? And maybe it's saying, you know what? I really need to work on saying I'm sorry, saying would you forgive me, saying I was wrong. Maybe you look and say, you know what? What I'm really struggling with is, The spotlight always has to be on me. I'm always talking about me and what I'm doing. I'm gonna stop and listen. I'm gonna stop and ask someone else what God's doing in their life and what they're going through. Maybe you're saying, you know what, I'm not really listening to advice. I really need to maybe get in a life group. Maybe just start listening to my parents. Maybe start listening to my kids more and saying, what are some things I can work on? How can we do this better? How can I work on things that I'm doing? Maybe you're saying, yeah, that's the one I'm gonna work on, helping somebody else. Now I've got great news for you. Whichever one you say you need to work on, there's a great antidote for it. And let me be real with you. I've struggled with all four of these because this is real life and we all struggle if we're honest. But I wanna tell you the antidote that's helped me in my marriage and my life and my relationships is when I lean back into this word which is the opposite of humility. The antidote for pride is one word. It is the word humility. Humility. You see, Humility uh, literally means to, to be low, which is how you battle pride, which says to elevate yourself. Now before you just totally discount and say, well, I'm not gonna be humble, that can't be the answer, you probably have a, a skewed view of what humility is. Humility is not putting yourself down. Humility is not having a low self-esteem. Humility is not weak. Humility is very strong. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less. You see, in other words, I'm gonna focus on your needs so I have less time to think about mine. I'm gonna think about other people and not just myself. Philippians 2 says it this way as Paul writes to us as Christians, and the first part of the verse says it this way, don't be selfish, or in other words, crave the limelight. Don't try to impress others, or in other words, brag about yourself and keep the limelight on you. Instead, here's the antidote, Humility. Be humble. Think of others. It's better than yourself. Now that the verb form of the Greek word translated here, "be humble," literally means to get low. And wouldn't it make sense if pride means to elevate myself and get an elevated, inflated view of myself above everything and everyone else? That the way to battle that is to get low. And, and, and listen, pride is weak because it wants to focus on itself. Humility is strong because it wants to focus on others, and it's not selfish. So there's a lot of examples of of humility, but one that's in real time for me, I'll never forget 12 years ago, my brother went over to Eastern Europe, and he's seven years older than me, but he went over to Eastern Europe to a country called Belarus, and while he was there meeting the people and seeing the needs of this country, he went to a fortress in Belarus that most of us in America don't, don't know about, but it's very similar to our story of the Alamo here in Texas. We all know about the Alamo and how a handful of Texans held off against a superior Mexican force, but most of us haven't heard about this fortress. It's on a larger scale. Thousands of Soviet soldiers gave their lives to defend their country against the Nazis. And Belarus is a very proud country because they sacrificed so much. If you can imagine, during World War II, the country of Belarus lost one out of every four people in that nation. So they went through so much, and this fortress kind of culminates that because these regular... Soviet soldiers held off the superior German force, this Nazi force. So much so, historians agree that their sacrifice held the Nazis off so they couldn't make it to Moscow before winter and changed the entire course of the war. My brother's getting a tour of this. Fortress. And in that tour, he comes across this massive statue in the middle of the fortress. That's, it's just a symbol of the sacrifice of these soldiers, and it's a symbol of how they were so desperate for water that they would crawl out at night and try to get a helmet full of water, even though they knew that Nazi snipers were going to try to pick them off, but their, their need for water just, just went greater than their risk of their own lives, and they would crawl out at night to get that water, and there was one word on that statue. And my brother asked the guide, what is that one word on that statue? And the guide said, well, it's translated into English, thirst. My brother recounts that at that moment, all of a sudden, all the things he had learned about this country, the fact that less than 1% of them are born-again believers, the fact that this country leads the world, the world in alcoholism and suicide, the fact that it's such a desperate country that they're thirsty for the hope and the love of Jesus Christ, that not only were those soldiers thirsty for water back in World War II, but this whole country is thirsty for hope. And I'll, I'll never forget it as long as I live. 12 years ago, the phone call, my brother called me from Europe before he even got back to the States. and said, hey man, I wanted you to be the first to know. We're coming back to America. We're selling everything. And we're gonna come to this country. And we're gonna tell them about the hope in Christ. And I'll never forget putting them on an airplane as my brother and his wife and their two kids sold everything except for a footlocker apiece. And said, we're going to risk it all to go to this country. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, I don't get to see my brother except once every three years, but he happens to be in this service. And I'd like to recognize one of the most humble people I know, Philip and Don Davidson, Anna Grace. You guys stand up right there. There is power in humility. Pride is weak. Humility is strong. Pride says, remember, I told you the phrase would come back, I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty. That's what Sam said, I'm thirsty. Pride says, I'm thirsty. Humility says, Are you thirsty? Pride says, It's all about me. Humility says, Can I help you? You see, it doesn't just change countries on the other side of the world. It changes communities and I'm so thankful to be a part of a church full of humble people. I, I could brag on so many of you, I love the town east campus story from yesterday. At the town east campus you guys reached out to your community and, and humbled yourself and said how can we serve? And I love what happened because so many people came uh, as town east campus partnered with Sharing Life Ministry and 45 of you showed up on a Saturday and gave your day and listened to what happened. 52 people who couldn't see well were given glasses. 45 people who needed dental care but couldn't afford it, were, were, they were taking care of dental issues, 45 people were helped. And are you ready for this? In one day, the Townies Campus and the generosity of, of, of their people actually gave over 1,000 children school supplies to go back to school with. And so can we just celebrate Townies Campus, love it. Beautiful, beautiful. See, there's something about it, isn't there? Stories of humility drive you to say, yeah, that's it. That's that's where you want to live. That's where life gets fulfilling. Pride is weak. Humility is strong, and it doesn't just change countries. It doesn't just change communities like at the townies campus yesterday. It can change your family. Think about what would happen if you walked into your marriage this week with the attitude, how can I help you? Think about what would happen if you walked into your family and your home this week, and the question, the attitude in that home was, How can I serve you? Think about the power of your workplace and what would happen to your school if you walked in this week and said, I want to serve you, and the limelight's not on me. What do you need? You see, our most powerful example of this is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because Philippians 2, we've already read, says, Don't be selfish. It already says don't try to impress others. It already says don't be prideful, instead be humble. Think of others better than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interest. Hey, take an interest in others too. But how are we gonna do this? Where do we start? How do we start battling humility right now? He tells us you must have the same attitude of who? Not Samson, Jesus. You have to come to a place where you pray the most humble prayer you can ever pray, but the most powerful one. Jesus, would you help me? And all of a sudden, when you ask him for his attitude to be in you, for his reaction to be in you, for the way that he thinks and his mind to be in you, all of a sudden it changes everything. So where do you start? It's very simple. Let me give you the law of relationships. I become like who I hang out with. I don't know if you've noticed this, but I noticed this. When I hang out with grumpy people, I become grumpy. When I hang out with negative people, I become negative. When I hang out with happy people, I become more happy. When I hang out with positive people, I become positive. But how am I gonna be more humble? I'm gonna have to spend time with Jesus, because Jesus is the most humble example we have, the exact opposite of Samson. You can't come any further than the height of heaven. To earth you can't come further than divine putting flesh on and walking among us and he came here for us if this is the first time you've ever heard this or the first time in a long time let it sink in today that Jesus came to this earth and he lived for us he died for us he was resurrected for us and if you want to be humble you need him and if you have him in your life already spend time with him this week Take moments out of your day. Read His Word and pray humbly. God, help me to follow the humility of my Lord and my Savior, Jesus. So let's pray about that together. In the quietness of this moment at every campus and even over the internet, I want to encourage you to pray the most humble prayer you can pray God, I need you. And for the first time, or for the first time in a long time, would you just say to Him, God, I'm sorry. God, forgive me, I've been going my own way. God, I need you. And if you've known him for a long time, or, or just, just right now reconnecting your fellowship with God through Christ, may we all pray, God, help us be humble. And God, help us not to be weak and prideful, but strong in humility. And Heavenly Father, as we pray these silent prayers together across our church family, all throughout the campuses and over the internet today, I pray that the humility we've asked for through Christ would be evident in how we treat each other in our homes this week. And it would change our families and our marriages and our schools and our communities. And that we would change the world one community at a time as we follow the example and the humility of Jesus. Thank you for new beginnings, and thank you for grace. Thank you for forgiveness that comes through Christ and that we can all leave this place, not guilty, but forgiven, a new beginning. And from this moment forward, may may you find us, your people, humble before you, and strong and powerful in serving others. For we ask it in the name of the one who humbled himself on a cross and now is exalted above every name and deserves all praise and glory, Jesus Christ and all God's people said, amen. Let's give God a hand for his grace and his goodness in our lives.